ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Nightlife. News Breakdown. Well, although he and the Coalition lost the federal election in May 2022, it's taken until today for the former Prime Minister, now backbencher Scott Morrison, to leave Parliament. He was emotional as he addressed Parliament as the MP for Cook for the last time, thanking family and staff and colleagues and outlining what he saw as the key points of his political career. This is some of what he had to say. Mr Speaker, I leave this place not as one of those timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. I leave having given all in that arena, and there are plenty of scars to show for it. While I leave nothing of my contri- left of nothing of my contributions on that field, I do believe that in that arena will always remain any bitterness disappointments or offences that have occurred along the way. I leave this place appreciative and thankful, unburdened by offences and released from any bitterness that can so often haunt post-political lives. We'll say that again. He was Australia's 30th Prime Minister, serving also in a range of ministries, including, of course, Immigration and Social Services Minister, Treasurer before becoming Prime Minister and leading the coalition to victory in the so-called unwinnable 2019 election. He cited AUKUS and the response to the pandemic as his greatest achievements. Prime Minister Albanese was gracious in farewelling his predecessor. I wish you every success for your future. Thank you for the service that you have given uh, to your community uh, from the great Sutherland Shire, to your party, the Liberal Party of which you are a proud servant and to your nation. Well, joining us again for Nightlife News Breakdown tonight, Paul Bongiorno, veteran and political journalist and columnist of the Saturday paper and the New Daily. Paul, good evening. Welcome again to Nightlife. Thank you, Philip, and good evening to you. What is Scott Morrison going to do now? Well, it, it uh, seems he's got a job uh, in the United States of America. Well, he's going to do a couple of things, actually. He's going to flog a book uh, in the United States of America. This which, is a uh, kind of a Christian book, isn't it? That's yes, a... it is. It, it, it ties in his Christian uh, beliefs with, uh, in fact, I have here, which I'll, um, sp- um, it, it's got an interesting title, actually. Um, it, it ties in a prime minister sort of linking, um, uh, you know, li- um, yeah, a new book. Here it is. Plans for Your Good, a Prime Minister's Testimony of God's Faithfulness. So that's one of the things he's going to do. He's, um, he's got a, an American, um, you know, Christian publishing house to publish this book and he's going to go and flog it. But, but, uh, but he's also linking up with a, um, think tank in Washington, along with Mike Pompeo. Now, you might remember Mike Pompeo uh, was the um, uh, Secretary of State to Donald Trump, and um, and, and and the two of them forged AUKUS. Mm. Uh, um, no, yes, and, and apparently um, they've got a nice little business deal going where they'll be able to leverage some of their um, knowledge about AUKUS and its workings, um, you know, to... Uh, maybe get paid for giving advice. Uh, so that's uh, another thing that he's going to be doing, uh, you know, uh, post-politics. Yes, what do you make of his legacy? His, po- his colleagues are pointing to his work during the pandemic and also on AUKUS. What, mm. how, what, do you, what do you make of it? Well, look, um, yes. Well, look, I wonder if I could point you in the direction of... Um, uh, the Monash University, uh, the Emeritus Professor of Politics there, Paul Strangio, they've been evaluating or rating Prime Ministers since the 1980s. And they've 
come up, and they have about six benchmarks for it, and they've come up with the conclusion that that uh, uh, Morrison uh, will be rated amongst the least distinguished of Australian Prime Ministers, uh, his government's relatively successful early management of the COVID pandemic and the legacy of AUKUS might spare him from falling below Billy McMahon. Uh, those of us who are old enough to remember Billy, he was defeated by um, uh, Gough Whitlam back in 1972, and of course Tony Abbott, who's at the bottom of the prime ministerial heap. Um, but avoiding that ignominy, according to the Monash University uh, analysis, will be pretty hard. And and um, I, I suppose to get a feel for it, I mean, people were generous to him today, both in the party room and in the parliament. We heard the prime minister making, um, you know, a, 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 a generous acknowledgement of the fact that for 16 years he was serving himself and the nation. And, of course, Peter Dutton, so uh, I suppose it remains to be seen, uh, you know, we have to remember, and one Liberal politician is quoted in a couple of places actually of saying, we went into the last election with a huge boulder tied to our ankles, and the boulder was Scott Morrison. On, on issues, and we do remember, see, one of the things that was, in a sense, masked at the last election was Labor didn't have an overwhelming thumping majority victory, you know, like, mm. say, 86 seats or whatever. But the, the coalition had a thumping defeat. It was masked by the fact that Teal's independence won the seat. In fact, the, the Liberal Party has the least number of members in the House of Reps since its uh, inauguration. And, and this is due to, to issues of... Uh, um, Morrison's dealing with women, but also integrity. And, um, you know, the, the list is long there, and it, go, and, and it then goes to integrity and honesty and transparency with the electorate when it goes to his secret ministries, when it goes to the robo-debt handling, when it goes to the way he dealt with Brittany Higgins' uh, issue, when it goes to uh, the way he dealt with um, Holgate, the woman who he said can resign immediately mm. over Australia Post. All of that, all of that has left a rather bitter legacy for the Liberal Party. Now, today, wasn't the day to go over that. I mean, these the big two issues, there was a 24-minute speech he gave earlier to the parliament, um, you know, in, in response to um, the multi-ministries. Uh, he, he thought it was... Um, Basically, Labor playing, you know, gotcha politics and get back at at them, uh, and, and he described and he described the findings of the Royal Commission as a, uh, in, into Robo Dead as a political linking. So all of that leaves, you know, a rather well shaded legacy from uh, from from Morrison, uh, and, and I suppose now we have to work out well where mm. now that he's gone, where does the Liberal Party go from here? Yeah, does Mr. If he's no longer in the Parliament, does it make any difference to to Peter Dutton? Do you think or not? Well, look, one of, one of the big questions over that is that uh, I mean Dutton was quite effusive today. I suppose the test of that is where has Dutton taken the Liberal Party since he's become leader, and he hasn't taken it very far away from Scott Morrison at all. You know, particularly on on issues of of, of climate. Um, you know, um, I mean, uh, you know, has he forged some new look for the Liberal Party? I mean, the other interesting thing is on the whole point of women and women representation. 
elections. There's been some key pre-selections in New South Wales and in Western Australia where men, you know, have been pre-selected rather mm. than women. And even in his own seat of Cook now, it uh, does seem that the, the, the front runners are men. Now, you, you'd, you'd think that the Liberals could, you know, come up with some, you know, uh, pretty at attractive in the political sense, maybe in the physical sense, you know, women candidates because there are plenty of them out there in the Liberal Party. Mm. No one has any doubts about that. So these are the sorts of issues that I think, you know, have to play, um, have to play out. Dutton might say, well, we've just had a massive defeat, but wait till, wait till you see what we're going sure. to present at the next election. Okay, they've got a big test this weekend. Of course, the government, that yep. is in Dunkley, the by-election mm. on the weekend in Victoria, suburban seat yes. in Melbourne. Uh, mm. I mean, some are saying, I mean, I see Nikki Sabo, a veteran commentator, perhaps yes. on the conservative side, saying yep. Mr Dutton has to win this. He has to win this. Mm. Uh, how do you see it? Well, well, yeah, look, look, all the indications are it'll be very tight and it'll be very tight because as the Labor Party themselves acknowledge, you know, a midterm by-election is a chance for voters to send a message to the government to pull up its socks. Um now, Dutton today in his party room had a list of um, examples from history showing that it's almost virtually impossible for the Liberals to win the seat of Dunkley. Um, I won't bore you with all the numbers he came up with, you know, but one has to wonder why would he bother telling his party room this when there's been a couple of polls around showing that one shows Labor just ahead and another this week, although it was a bit, mm, a bit dubious, it had, the, it had the Liberals ahead by a nose. Hmm. Um, so, but, but the point about that is that what has Dutton offered? He's off, he's got a huge megaphone that's able to, able to say what the problems are and people are struggling. The seat of Dunkley, at one end, people are quite comfortable. At the other end, they're very uncomfortable. Um, you know, they're struggling with cost of living and maybe they will want to protest. Um, but that, that's not like a general election where people might say, okay, we're not all that happy with where the government's taken us, but what have you got on offer that is better? And the record so far on cost of living is very unimpressive. For example, the Liberals haven't um, supported in the Parliament any of the cost of leave, um, uh, relief measures like um, energy bill relief that, that the government has put up. Although I have to say to you tonight, um, in, a, in, in a late development, Philip, for your mm. huge audience, um, the Liberals um, didn't fall for a um, siren song from the Greens, which I can't understand in the Senate. The Greens wanted to put off the final vote for the uh, tax cuts till March, that is after the by-election, um, uh, and send it off to a committee. I don't know why. I just... just just befuddles me, mm. to be honest. But the Liberals didn't buy that and, and they um, voted with the government tonight for the tax cuts to be put in place. So that's a rather major, uh, you know, relief, relief uh, for cost of mm. living that, of course, doesn't um, doesn't come in until July 1, except now we can say to you, well, it's legislated and it's going to happen. That's right. Um, big release today of the gender pay gap data. The, yeah. the uh, Federal Minister for Women says the release of... The figures are good for transparency and accountability. It shows that uh, some of the country's most recognisable employers are paying women on average 30 to 40% less. I mean, the Greens are more blunt. They favour coercion to uh, force companies' arms. They're falling on, calling on the government to stop awarding grants and contracts to companies with large gender pay gaps. This is the uh, Greens' Senator Larissa Waters. 
Why is the government subsidising discrimination by giving grants uh, and contracts to big employers that don't pay their women fairly? So whilst the idea of today is that employers might be embarrassed into fixing their discrimination problem, that's not enough, and we need government to step in. Mm. Shadow Minister of Women Susan Lee also felt that greater scrutiny of companies was needed. She had this to say. Backbenchers in our parties are entitled to express their views, but as the most senior woman in the Liberal Party, this is really important. This is something that the women of Australia understand only too well, and women are not getting the promotions they need. They're not getting ahead in the fields that they deserve. She was directing her comments to Coalition colleague National Senator Matt Canavan, who described the new figures as useless and something that would, quote, breed resentment and division. Mm. Uh, there we are. It's hard to imagine that the gap still exists. It's complicated, the gap, isn't it? It's not as simple as it sounds. Well, it's not as simple as it sounds. For example, it's illegal in Australia right now yeah. uh, uh, to not pay. Uh, what is it? Equal pay, equal work is now the law of the land. Yeah, it's not, it's, that's right. It's illegal to pay women yeah. less for doing the same less work. For the same work, exactly. So what we have here in these big companies is the roles that women have are, if you like, at the bottom end of what the company does and as a, and as a result um, are paid less. Now, mm. if there are any men in that field, they would be paid the same, but paid less. But the point is that it's the women who are there. And and then the other point, which Susan Lee is making, is that that le- fewer women are coming up the scale. So there are fewer women at the higher paid end of these big companies. So and and that and that's um, no doubt due to uh, some sort of inbuilt bias and and therefore discrimination, which which needs um, obviously um, to to be addressed. But I saw some interesting discussion on ABC TV tonight, seven thirty, uh, pointed out that, for example, in you know in the area of say. Uh, women's uh, sporting gear and all of that, well, if a woman goes in, they would want, uh, and, and one of the worst companies apparently is one of the ones that supplies this stuff, what do they call it? What cost? Um, um, uh, exercise gear. This is this Act- a new active wear. <laughs> yeah, active wear, you're right. One of the worst one of the worst companies is an active wear company, but they pointed out, well, when women go in to buy active wear, they'd rather have a woman fitting them out than a bloke. Mm. So, but that, that same company obviously pays the people fitting them out less than it pays the higher executives. And um, mm. the chief executive said, well, we've got to address all of this. So that's the sort of issue. In a sense, I think it's terrific that um, that we're talking in this way because we're moving on equal equal pay for equal work, so that's fine. But but what about the status of women in the workforce? What about, and this is still an issue, of course, women dropping out of the workforce, women uh, to have children, uh, then then it comes down to the other issue of childcare and 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 the burden that women play, play there. And I noticed in, in, in the parliament today that um, you know, Tony Burke, for example, and the Prime Minister made the point that, well, we're trying to address some of these issues, especially with the new childcare mm. measures. So, uh, look... There's a hell of a lot of work still to be done. Uh, it's interesting that Mary Woolridge, who you might remember was a Liberal member of Parliament down in, in, in Victoria, mm. she's, she's heading the uh, the agency that's uh, looking into all of this. I, I, th- I think that um, this shows, and I think Susan Lee's uh, comments, you know, show that there is a general overall awareness that this gender pay gap for all of these yeah. other reasons needs to be addressed. Needs to be addressed, exactly. But it is, as you say, a complicated, a complex matter. All right, Paul, yeah. always great to talk. Thank you.
Thank you, Philip. Bye. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.